Yes. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on, Edwin. You bet. So, so Kyle, I want to talk to you about Pennsylvania, but before we dive into into that, um, sure. You know, everyone is familiar with political ads that run on on TV, but as prevalent yeah. as they are, they they just they no longer have a monopoly on voter attention. And I, I know this from another part of my life. I mean, the private sectors figured out how to use digital ads to very carefully and accurately uh, target individual consumers. That's why Facebook and Google are such enormous companies. Can you talk about the use of digital campaigning and of social media in modern campaigns generally? And then we'll get to some specifics. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you're exactly right. The, the political advertising landscape is changing, and it's been changing for several election cycles now. Um, and that's mostly because voters don't only get their information from broadcast TV anymore, and they're not just tuning into the, the local news, although a lot of people do still watch local TV news. Um, but instead, more and more voters are getting their information from places like Facebook or are watching videos on YouTube or scrolling on Instagram. For younger voters, maybe they're learning about politics and, and political issues on TikTok or Snapchat. And so what that means is that campaigns and political organizations need to adapt their strategies to reach those voters where they're receiving their information. Um, even when, when you're talking about TV ads, you know, a lot of folks are cutting the cord and, and watching things on Hulu or Roku. And so there's, there's other digital streaming advertising options for political campaigns to reach voters on those platforms, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an increasing, it, you know, it, it's a huge tool in a campaign's toolbox in 2022. And even even when people think of broadcast TV anymore because of the way it works, um, uh, advertisers can buy like a zip code, even in broadcast TV. They can focus because it often is delivered through cable. They can focus their ads with enormous precision. For sure. And, you know, you mentioned sort of the corporate sector being ahead on this, and that's that's totally right. I think politics is always playing catch up to um, to corporate uh, big companies, you know, and corporate marketing strategies. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, really detailed targeting in the digital space has been happening for a very long time uh, on places like Facebook um, from major corporations. You're probably served ads on Instagram shopping or, or whatever. And so um, campaigns are now doing that, too, in, in a, a bigger and bigger share of their budgets every election cycle. So let's go to Pennsylvania and sort of lay it out as an example. Yeah, Pennsylvania was was super interesting. Um, you had competitive primaries and Senate race in particular on both sides, uh, Democrats and Republicans. Um, on the Democratic side, you know, John Fetterman um, really swept uh, the election um, by, you know, reaching voters with an all of the above campaign strategy. For the past year or year and a half, he's been, you know, advertising, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to fundraise and, and build sort of a grassroots army on Facebook, which I found really interesting. And instead of that being the exception, that is now the rule for running a statewide campaign effectively is if you have to get the basics down in terms of fundraising and, and grassroots engagement using digital ads and email and all these different sort of corners of the internet. Um, in contrast, his opponent, Connor Lamb, who was a, a totally fine candidate um, with strong messaging and, and uh, had, a, had a proven record of winning competitive elections, you know, really didn't get the digital basics right. He was, you know, a TV first strategy, just endorsement folks, endorsements in the local papers and, and kind of just relied on that to win. And it, and it clearly didn't pan out. Um, that was super interesting. Another really interesting component 
opponent of the Pennsylvania race was on the Republican side. You know, Donald Trump in, in uh, 2016 and 2020 got a lot of press over, over his investments in, in digital um, advertising and marketing. And before the Trump campaign, Republicans were really behind in this regard. Nowadays, you see statewide candidates like Dr. Oz and Dave McCormick actually spending, you know, huge amounts of money on these platforms as well to reach voters. And you're going to see that this cycle as well. Republicans are catching up and trying to emulate the Trump campaign in terms of of reaching folks online. And reaching folks, I mean, most of the ads, you know, TV ads are often more often than not negative than positive. Sure. I find um, the digital ads are a little different because they're targeted to people who are sort of your supporters. They're not they're not often trying to convince anybody of anything. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, convince sure. anybody to support you rather than somebody else, but to motivate you to give money, to motivate you to get out and be more supportive. Yeah, campaigns use digital advertising on a variety of platforms for a variety of different reasons. Um, so on Facebook in particular, a lot of campaigns, you're right, do spend a ton of money trying to reach people that already would be willing to support them and ask them for five bucks or 20 bucks um, to support their campaign. That's a huge part of the, of the modern campaign. But also on sites like YouTube, where campaigns are targeting folks mm-hmm. uh, via zip code, you know, those are much more similar to your traditional persuasion TV ads mm-hmm. um, where they're, they're running attack ads or whatnot. Um, and campaigns spend tons of money on YouTube. I think, you know, in, in Chicago area and Illinois, J.B. Pritzker's campaign for re-election this year is spending hundreds of thousands of dollars every week on sites like YouTube um, to, to reach voters. Um, so persuasion is a big part of, of digital advertising as well. I definitely think on places like Facebook, um, you're going to see a lot of fundraising ads, particularly if you're kind of like a dyed-in-the-wool liberal and you're going to be seeing a lot of campaigns trying to, trying to get you to support them. How do you... How do you track all this spending? Yeah, it's really interesting. So um, in 2018, several of the platforms, including Facebook and Google, which are probably the two biggest digital advertising platforms for campaigns, started publicly releasing databases of every ad that is run on their platform. Um, We, myself, created a newsletter called For What It's Worth, fwiwnewsletter.com, in case folks want to subscribe. But um, for what it's worth, we we actually break down these different ads and and spending levels every week um, on Fridays. And so we're able to to see whose spending is up and whose is down, uh, what types of ads people are running. We can... um, we can see what types of trends and messaging we're seeing um, this cycle. And so, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. There's tons of different data points. Um, the Internet is, uh, is kind of an open book in that regard. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, pretty interesting. How do you or can you track the dark money spending? Sure. Um, that's, you know, The fact that platforms like Google and Facebook and Snapchat have um, created these transparency databases, it's kind of dissuaded some bad actors from running sort of shady, secretive advertising. Um, But dark money groups, 501c4 nonprofits, um, political organizations uh, like APAC has been spending a lot of money recently. Um, They all run uh, through different Facebook pages or, or YouTube accounts. Um, and those ads are cataloged just like candidate advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it, it makes up a huge amount of spending on on platforms like Facebook, for sure. So, I mean, unlike the days 
when it wasn't you can actually tell who you could categorize like all of the spend for one side or the other now yeah absolutely that's really um, interesting yeah. yeah and it's kind of you know we're going to be looking as the midterms ramp up at, at and doing some sort of horse race coverage and in, in, um, in that regard campaigns are, are multifactorial as you know they're going to be still spending tons of money on on television so like we saw in pennsylvania last week although there was hundreds of thousands or, or maybe a couple million dollars spent on sites like Facebook, there were tens of millions of dollars spent on television ads. So, uh, you know, it, de- it depends on the campaign, who's in leadership on, on the campaign staff side. Um, but, uh, but digital is continuing to, 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 um, to take a growing share of that campaign budget. Kyle, in the, in the time before you came on today, I was having a conversation with a journalist named Sarah Posner about uh, uh, Christian nationalism, which is what she covers. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that movement sort of broadly speaking, are people buying ads in their name? Is, the, is this whole, um, you know, it's not a campaign, but it is a, it's an yeah. identity movement that has very significant implications for campaigns. Are you able to see absolutely. if they're buying ads, if ads are being bought in their, yeah. in their name? Yeah, absolutely. So um, particularly on the issue of abortion rights, which we saw uh, in the news recently, um, we're able to, to look at these platforms and advertising on places like mm-hmm. Facebook and, and Google and, and um, be able to actually like, search for different terms and, uh-huh. and monitor trends in advertising. So we can see how many ads in a given week uh, in Pennsylvania are using the word uh, pro-life or abortion rights or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And or Supreme Court. Tons, or Supreme Court, yeah, exactly. There are tons of, of advertisers, large and small, um, that spend trying to reach Americans on Facebook uh, to influence them on an issue and maybe unrelated to, a, to an electoral campaign. Um, that happens uh, quite a bit on the abortion issue. Um, there are a, a lot of, of right-wing groups um, advertising, uh, lobbying Congress. So particularly last year with Build Back Better uh, agenda, uh, moving on Capitol Hill, we saw so many organizations, um, you know, spending millions of dollars uh, trying to, to influence legislation there. And, uh, you know, Joe Manchin was the target of many of those those ads in West Virginia. Um, yeah, so I, I think issue advertising is, is an enormous um, amount of, of budgets here on, on these digital platforms. And then one other thing I'll, I'll note is um, there's currently, you know, anti uh, big tech antitrust legislation moving on Capitol Hill and companies like Facebook and Amazon are very scared of, of any type of congressional action. And so that is probably the top uh, sort of spending issue that we've seen this year. We're talking at least $10 million on digital advertising since January from companies like Amazon and Facebook to try and kill any legislation on Capitol Hill. So we're able to see all of these different trends and, and try to package that up in, in our weekly newsletter, like I mentioned earlier. Um, it seems obvious to me, but I've been in a lot of campaigns. Spend some time and tell people, you know, why it's important for them to look at how campaigns spend their money and where they spend it. Um, and why and an ordinary voter who, you know, picks a side, why that's important for them? Yeah, well, first I'll say, you know, 
as much as um, pollsters and, and traditional consultants try to make politics out into a science, you know, we don't have a lot of tea leaves ahead of Election Day to really tell us um, who's ahead and, and who's likely to win an election. And so the data points that we look at, um, these sort of I kind of view them as kind of digital tea leaves um, to tell us whether a campaign has, you know, a functioning team that knows how to market to folks. That's a pretty important data point um, if they're going to have success on Election Day. And so I think voters voters should care about this because, um, you know, the, the types of tactics that campaigns use and how a campaign runs um, is kind of a reflection of the candidate's values and how they're going to govern. So if someone's running a, a super old school campaign, isn't really, you know, um, interested in, in reaching younger voters or, or, you know, committing a lot of time to reaching um, voters in, uh, you know, Hispanic voters in Spanish language, um, then that's kind of a reflection of their priorities as well. And so um, it's, it's really interesting to see how different campaigns are, are able to operate and adapt to this new environment. Um, but like I said, this has been changing for several cycles. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, this year you're going to see way more Facebook ads than you've ever seen before, more ads on YouTube. Um, Instagram will be taken over. <laughs> um, and uh, and I'm really interested in tracking sort of new and, and emerging trends, um, like how folks are, are using TikTok for politics um, and things like that. So uh, it should be a super interesting election year. Right. And TikTok, uh, as we know, even though they have separated out content, is foreign owned. So it's yeah, I know. Yeah, we're also a whole other issue, super whole big yeah. other issue, right? Dangerous yeah. other issue. So, so um, I, those of you who listen often know that we talk a lot on this show about the nuts and bolts of, of governing and of campaigning, um, and and this is important because I don't want people who just you know see the issue on the news to despair that Democrats don't know what they're doing because the news reports that sometimes we disagree with each other because that's what we Democrats do. So, they, oh, we're in disarray. <laughs> but in fact, the, the, the tools and techniques that somebody said after Donald Trump won with this Cambridge Analytica stuff – that somehow the Republicans were a hundred million years ahead of Democrats, and they will not have the tools and techniques to campaign ever again. It's not true, and and no. um, and Kyle's work, and you should read it. And before we're done, we're going to say a few more times how you sign up for it. Um, is all about telling you like who's savvy, in and how are they thinking about using these more contemporary tools of campaigning. Yeah, that's right. I think it's it's very important. Um, you know, Democrats um, sort of the, the there's sort of a spectrum of, of ability here when it comes to digital outreach. The vast majority of, of large and statewide campaigns definitely uh, on on our side of the aisle, on the Democratic side, definitely know what they're doing when it when it comes to this. Um, and yes, the Trump campaign was super sophisticated, but. Uh, at the end of the day in the 2020 election, Democrats, you know, we got our stuff together. We were able to to really meet voters where they were and ultimately were victorious. And so um, I think that's important to note. But um, and you mentioned Illinois right. and I'm sitting here in Illinois and Illinois <laughs> Democratic governor, J.B. Pritzker, um, is and maybe it's a legacy of a lot of time in the private sector and a lot of time in the tech world. Um, but he's been very savvy about how he does his outreach. 
Oh, absolutely. I believe they've been I believe they've been doing some of this this work since last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of the one of the earliest gubernatorial elections out there uh, in terms of investment in, in digital advertising. And I know his team's doing a really great job at that. And so, yeah, you're going to see a lot more of it, like I mentioned earlier. But um, it's super important. It's really interesting to pay attention to. And um, I would I would not uh, have Democrats despairing that Republicans are light years ahead of us and more. Um, I think it's really about uh, uh, commitment uh, to running a smart campaign. And and all of these tools are are just methods for us to reach voters where they are. So we want to make sure that every voter uh, that we want in our coalition uh, is receiving our information where they're most comfortable. So if they're scrolling on their phone, then we want to be able to reach them there. If they're browsing things on YouTube, then we want to make sure that our message is catered to that platform. Um, so that's that's probably the most important thing. I know me personally, I, I, you know, I'm a cord cutter. I don't watch broadcast television. When I do see TV ads, I put the remote on mute really quickly. And so that's not a method to reach me, but maybe it is for, for other folks like my parents. So um, it's just really important to have an all of the above strategy. And, and I'm pretty confident that, that the, the campaigns that we're, we're really needing to win, folks like Fetterman, like Sherry Beasley in North Carolina, like Mark Kelly in Arizona, they're doing a really great job, um, which is, is exciting to see. We also, um, part of that great job, you, you mentioned, you know, it's important to reach voters where they are. Um, some of these tools lets us reach people who may not vote and help them decide that it's something they should do. I know people who call into this radio show, if they're not going to vote, I really am not interested in their whining. <laughs> right? Exactly. We got to yeah. get people to say, I'm going to go vote. And and a lot of times you have to reach people where they are and say this is important. You know, it's not that onerous for you to walk over there and cast your ballot. Um, really need it. Get going. You're right. That is so much more important. And, and that's more important than even just like throwing some money at digital advertising. You know, creating engaging content that really inspires folks to be involved civically is of utmost important to anyone who cares about the future of democracy. And so I think what you all are doing with WCPT is so important. I think, you know, the folks that are investing in building progressive media uh, is is critical to, to us having not just winning a short-term election, but really getting folks involved and, and kind of reversing this, this terrifying trend that we're seeing in the country right now. Right. So progressive media is it is partly about building a community, a community of people who share the values of uh, democratic governance um, and generally of policies that lean a little bit to the left, but passionate about democratic governance. Right now, there's been a community created in America that does not care about democratic governance, in fact, doesn't want it because they don't believe everybody in our society should be voting. They uh, yeah. and and. Um, Organizations like this one, um, like Courier Newsroom, uh, and publications like the For What It's Worth newsletter, are all about you know giving us the knowledge base we need to form a, an informed community that can go out and build civil society in America. That's right, and I think um, what I'm really interested in is is seeing folks who are building new solutions to you know really. Think about that audience of people who don't care about politics. You know, the folks that are already on, on the fringe on the other side, 
Um, I don't want to say that they're maybe already too far gone, but, you know, a, a huge, huge group of people in this country just like are ambivalent or maybe don't care or don't know how to get involved or why. And so, you know, I think content streams for my generation, folks like, uh, you know, content streams on places like Instagram and, mm-hmm. and TikTok and Snapchat, but um, but beyond that, you know, TV shows and, and radio shows and, and, and other programs like that are super important. And it all comes together. Really, um, all of us have to be reinforcing each other. So I am hoping that there will be some clips from our interview that you find useful online. That's all part of the strategy that we are actively engaged in. We here at... Um, uh, at WCPT and Heartland Signal, but also I know you are and the folks at Courier Newsroom are, to develop the tools to reach people wherever they are, to build civic engagement that builds democratic, small d, democratic engagement that makes it possible for us to live together and build the kind of society we want to build. Absolutely, because you know that the folks on the right and, and conservative media world are doing that and, and cross-promoting and helping each other grow and, and, and building up to the other side. So, yeah, it's so important. So tell everybody in the time we have left again about your newsletter and how they sign up and what that means. For sure. So for what it's worth is a weekly newsletter that breaks down digital trends in politics, um, basically how different forces on the Internet impact our elections. And you can sign up at fwiwnewsletter.com uh, or follow us on Twitter at fwiwnews. Um, it comes out every Friday. It's free to subscribe to. And, uh, uh, yeah, I hope you uh, join our little community. I hope everybody will, too. And I will also um, uh, tweet out uh, the same information a little bit later when I get the chance. So that if you're following me, you'll know how to follow Kyle and his very good work. Listen, I appreciate your coming on. Maybe um, as the campaigns heat up, we can do this, you know, semi-regularly so that uh, you can sort of take an election at a time and do a deep dive for people. Absolutely. There'll be a ton of interesting things to look at this cycle. It should be pretty exciting. All right. Well, thank you, Kyle. I really appreciate it. That was uh, Kyle Tharp. co-founder, editor, lead writer of FWIW for what it's worth, a newsletter. And we will be back after the uh, uh, news at the bottom of the hour to talk Pennsylvania with Will Bunch. Stay with us. You're listening to The Big Picture with-